This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, alongside TalkSports football correspondent Alex Crook and the football reporter Kwaku Afari. Every day when you wake up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing the upcoming games. The top stories this morning. Hope you haven't got a hangover. England tame the Lions of Taranga and roar into the last 16. Jude Awakening. Foden calls Bellingham the best midfielder in the world. Kane moves a step forward to Rooney's record. Henderson heroic. And it's a good job our bait is in the middle of nowhere because it gave us two hours to work out how on earth England contained killing Mbappe. And we're still frightened to death of him. It's the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. This might be a halcyon period of English football. You never know. And let's hope we can get a hands on a trophy to uh, to punctuate that. And it is an England starting 11 that has scored 20 goals in major tournaments between them. Last time England were in the World Cup round of 16, it went to a shootout. And as someone famously said in the Spartak Stadium that night, ghosts were exercised. The win tonight and those dreams of glory will begin to intensify. We found it difficult in the opening 20 minutes, in particular, to get through Senegal's pressure. For Bellingham, what a chance! England score! Jordan Henderson and Jude Bellingham in particular were, were fantastic at setting the tone. It was a nice goal at a good time for us. After that, I thought we took control of the game really well. It's Kane and it's Sharon. Harry Kane moves within one of Wayne Rooney and England are within 45 minutes of France at the last day. Hopefully this can start a good run for, for me personally because I know that will help the team as well. I came into this tournament, you know, with, with the confidence in myself, you know, and of course when I players like there is in this team and, you know, the coach trusts me and picks me, you know, it gives me even more confidence to go out there and do what I do. There's number three! And now you can start thinking about what you want to do next Saturday night. I'll give you a clue. It's World Cup quarter-final time. There is absolutely no reason why England, particularly off the back of tonight, can't believe, you know, they can beat France. Bakayo Saka! the score sheet again bring on the French England have beaten Senegal by three goals to nil and you heard it on TalkSport and we've got a colossal game next weekend England 3 Senegal nil the tournament's top scorers a route through to the quarters plotted through by methodical military leader Gareth Southgate 
who's won more major tournament games than any other England manager. And let's be wholly clear, he has, what, played six proper knockout games, maybe more than that now, and he hasn't lost any of them in 90 minutes. This is a guy who knows how to get England through a tournament. And maybe, maybe that idea of um, being a little bit pragmatic, being a little bit careful and plotting a course for the tournament was the right thing to do after all, Alex. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, as always, uh, when the, the team new started to leak out, that, uh, that Foden was playing, that Rashford wasn't, that Jordan Henderson in particular was keeping his place. Obviously, a lot of people jumped on that as, as a reason to be pessimistic, a reason to be negative. But as he has done largely throughout this competition, maybe you can say the USA game was a caveat to that, but he, he got his tactics and his, his, his team selection spot on. I thought Foden was excellent. I thought Henderson, even when England was struggling a little bit uh, against the ball in the first half, led the press. Bellingham uh, in that more advanced role was an absolute revelation. And then you still had the capability to bring the likes of Rashford and, and Grealish off the bench when the Senegal defence were tied in the second half. So kudos to, to Gareth Southgate. He also obviously had a difficult situation to manage with Raheem Sterling. Not ideal uh, at all that that happened on the day of a game. But as always... Southgate has been the perfect spokesperson for that, dealt with it from a, a human point of view, absolutely superbly as well. So just about everything that could have gone right for England and for Gareth Southgate did go right. Harry Kane is often running in terms of goals in this tournament. And with every game, I'm growing in confidence. Do you know what? England can win this. And if they beat France, I think they will win it. Well, it's nice to see that you're slowly coming around to... Uh the way of thinking that Gareth Southgate actually isn't that bad after all, bearing in mind that he's plotted a route all the way through to the semi-finals of one World Cup, got to the final of a European Championship and has now won another knockout game. In fact, the first time that England have won a knockout game at three successive major tournaments. They've also bagged 12 goals in four games. They are the World Cup's top scorers currently. So even though we talk about them being pragmatic, and yes, they, they are pragmatic sometimes, Kwaku, they also have the ability to play in periods, raise themselves quickly and entertain too. And the, the first goal that they scored last night, which really opened the game up for them, was terrifically worked and well taken by Jordan Henderson. Yeah, and another reason why Gareth Southgate has been vindicated in terms of team selection. And I think what you're talking about in terms of Southgate's record when it comes to managing England, we are spoiled in this country at the moment when it comes to English football. People bemoaning the fact that Jordan Henderson was coming off the bench against USA. Let's not forget, this is the captain of Liverpool. This is the captain of one of the best club sides over the last five years. And we're moaning that he's coming off the bench and we moaned that he started against Wales. That's how much, how much talent's in this England squad. And we have to be very very grateful for what we're watching at the moment and yes granted it can be pragmatic at times but if you look at the way that Gareth Southgate navigates through tournaments it's ideal it's perfect when we see France win win 3-1 we don't we don't moan about that but when England like trudge to a 0-0 draw against USA or beat Wales 3-0 there's still things that we nitpick at I think Gareth Southgate has done a fantastic job and I back us to beat France and like you say the first goal really opened up the floodgates and it's been indicative of how England have been at this tournament it takes us getting the first goal before we get the next one and the next one and we're the top scorers in this tournament and I, and I think we're in a very very good place and we should be confident heading into that game against France 
And they topped the uh, group at the World Cup for the first time since 2006. They win uh, another knockout game. They've kept a clean sheet. The only goals that they've conceded were the two that they let in during the last few minutes of the Iran game, which made Gareth Southgate pretty damn grumpy, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, but since then, the Yorkshire tea-drinking duo of Harry Maguire and John Stones have been pretty good at keeping opponents at Arms Bay. John Pickford did have to make a, a save early in that first half. And let's not pretend that it was all one-way traffic through 90 minutes. There was a point where Senegal grew into the game and actually looked the better team for the first maybe 20, 30 minutes of that match. They had the two best chances before England scored, Alex. Yeah, I was right behind the goal um, and Jordan Pickford made an excellent save at the near post, I think, to deny uh, Ndai, was it? Um, and had that have gone in, I think it would have been a diff different game. And obviously, we're now looking ahead to to how England can stop Mbappe, how England can stop France. I do think they need to kick this habit of starting games slowly. Um, they've done it in most matches. And if you start poorly against France, if you allow them to have as much possession as they allowed Senegal, then I think they could be in big, big trouble. So I think we do need England to just be a little bit more sharper at kickoff. And I have to say... Darren Ambrose on TalkSport said that Harry Maguire, for him as a contender for team of the tournament, I think he's been excellent. But I think he looked nervous last night. He gave the ball away really badly and put his team on the back foot on a couple of occasions. So that worries me slightly that his confidence is still a little bit fragile when it comes to playing truly top-class opposition. And England haven't had to do that yet. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I thought that in the first half, he gave the ball away far too many times. He was playing those gamble balls where he's trying to squeeze it through a tight gap and sometimes that bravery comes off and there was one particular ball where he tried to squeeze it between two Senegalese players because he saw Bellingham on the other side and he thought he's in space he can counter here we've got a great opportunity but he didn't get the ball right gave it away they counter-attacked they switched to play the other side and Dia had that chance from which Pickford made a very good save uh, but you need your goalkeeper in top form and they'll probably need the goalkeeper in top form when it comes to the game against uh, France that is for sure. Um, let's talk about this Bellingham comment then because Foden was asked about him. He said he's still young, but he's one of the most gifted players I've ever seen. I don't see any weaknesses in his game. He's got everything and he's going to be the best midfielder in the world. That is for sure. He's 19 years of age. The fact that England are starting a 19-year-old in the first place is a major, major achievement. The fact that he's having such a significant contribution to this team has... Drawn comparisons with Gaza in 1990 and the impact of other great teenagers that have come onto the scene. Are we in danger of getting a little bit too excited about Jude Bellingham or is he the type of character? We've all heard him speak and been blown away by his maturity. Is he the type of footballer? We've all watched him and been blown away by his ability that can handle that and can still produce. He looks like he's he can handle it. He's got the, the broad enough shoulders to handle the pressure that's going to be piled on him. He's now the golden boy of the tournament. And you're right to compare him to to the hype that was around Gaza. Before the tournament, I was I was likening to Michael Owen at 98 when he burst onto the scene or Wayne Rooney in 2004 at the Euros where he burst onto the scene. Um, and they became kind of all that we pinned all our hopes on them performing in the tournament. Hopefully for England's sake, we don't go out of the quarterfinals like we did in 98 and 2004. But we do need to kind of slow down in terms of trying to pigeonhole him. People are trying to discuss whether he, he's a 10, he's an 8, he's a 4. He's just a really good footballer. He's a really good sentiment fielder that can do a bit of everything. And we saw all of that on display against Senegal last night. Um, and he reminds me of Steven Gerrard in terms of versatility, obviously built 
different to Steven Gerrard, but he can do a bit of everything in midfield. And he's really, really exciting. But in this country, we kind of need to calm down a little bit because we have got other world-class players in that squad, namely Harry Kane, who got on the score sheet last night, which was great for England. So it's not a case of we all have to pin our hopes on Drew Bellingham, but there's there's clear reason why people are excited because he's a top, top player. 52 goals now for Harry Kane. It was a thumping finish. It was one that was hit with so much venom. It doesn't really matter whether Edouard Mendy uh, got something behind it or timed his dive right. It, it was going to go in because it was like a rocket coming off the boot. And actually Foden's ball to him took a little nick. That meant he had to just readjust slightly before he bringing it down and then smashing it home. But it was a, a great time to score for England too. A, a brilliant 10 minutes or so where things completely changed and the momentum of the game switched. Bukayo Saka's goal, really well taken. He's had a very good tournament as well. Um, and England now thinking ahead to the game against France. The blockbuster quarterfinal, 7 o'clock on Saturday night, live on TalkSport. And I just wonder whether or not Gareth Southgate is going to change his formation for this game, Alex. I think we all felt that was the plan coming into the tournament. Um, that as you go deeper in the draw, you go to that back three, particularly up against France, it gives you the ability to double up on Mbappe down that right-hand side. But I think the issue you've got now is if you do that, and I think you'd probably go with Walker as a right-sided centre-back, Trippier then would come back into the team, uh, Stones, Maguire, Shaw making up a back five. Who do you leave out now? Um, because it's very difficult uh, to leave out Bellingham for the reasons that we've just discussed. Jordan Henderson, I think, has been excellent um, and it would be really harsh if he was to find himself on the bench. Kane obviously plays. So then you're looking at maybe sacrificing one of the wide players. I thought Foden did really well um, in that game against Senegal. I guess maybe you would argue that perhaps England won't have as much as the, of the ball uh, and therefore perhaps Foden could be the full guy. But it's a really difficult decision that, that Gareth Southgate has got to make. Yeah, and of course, the reason he might well end up having to add extra defensive numbers is because he's got to deal with the threat of Kylian Mbappe. We were talking through the France team last night, you know, and the idea of like, you know, Kylian Mbappe being the sort of Maradona figure that like in 1986, it's all anyone was talking about prior to the quarterfinal. How are you going to deal with him? How are you going to stop him? He looks impossible to stop. And he's a similar sort of character, isn't he? I mean, I, one of the goals he scored yesterday seemed to be squeezed through the eye of a needle. I mean, it, literally, he is he is difficult to get hold of. And we'll talk about him from a French perspective in just a moment when we look at that match yesterday. But from an England perspective, is there a danger that becomes so obsessed with Kylian Mbappe that you don't pay attention to the other threats in that French team. Yeah, I think there is. I, and not just the other threats in the French team, but paying attention to our own game. We are, we've been one of the best teams in this tournament, if not the best team. If you look at the stats, you look at the numbers, you look at the performances, I don't see any reason why we can't go there and impose our will, especially in this French midfield, which they le it leaves a lot to be desired, especially watching the game yesterday. Poland were unlucky um, and I, at, at some points anyway. And I do think that England can go and impose their will. So despite the fact that they have got weapons, we know how good Mbappe is, we know how dangerous he can be coming from those wide areas. I think England have got players to hurt France as well. Um, we expect Gareth Southgate to move to a back five against France, but I would love to see us continue with a back four and really try and go and play football against France because in the midfield area I think we've got a clear advantage England um, heading towards a uh, eighth World Cup quarter final they've won just three of them um, it's not the most uh, inspiring record but Gareth Southgate knows how to plot his way through these tournaments and has done 
before. Um, one of the things that he will be focusing on over the next few days is dealing with the issue with Raheem Sterling. England now are in a situation where they're probably going to be without him. I would have thought for the the quarterfinal, at least. He's gone back to England to assist his family with the subject of what sounds like a horrific attack on his home in Surrey. Police investigating and Sterling will only come back if his family is settled after what was a traumatic experience. They've lost Ben White as well. John Stones hobbled out of the game with what looked to me like a little hamstring problem. I mm. do hope that it's not anything more than significant um, than that and that he can heal before Saturday because without Stones in the team, all of a sudden that becomes an issue as well. Quick work on Senegal. Um, their biggest World Cup game in 20 years yesterday, Quaker. I know you've been looking at the uh, the African football uh, for TalkSport over the course of the, the tournament. Alou Cisse's been in charge for seven years. He's masterminded a victory in the AFCON. They qualify for back-to-back World Cups after not making it to the tournament for 16 years prior to Russia 2018. Uh, I think they've, they've added something, some richness to the tournament. Yeah, Senegal, uh, they've added a lot to the tournament. And from their point of view, it's a shame that they couldn't head into the World Cup with Sadio Mane kind of leading the line for them. A lot of the attacking burden has been, been shouldered by Shmela Saar, who couldn't really uh, get into the game against England. Um, but yeah, Ali Ucise has done a fantastic job. Like you mentioned, he he led them to the AFCON title at the beginning of the year. They qualified for the World Cup and he probably would have, he's no stranger to an upset. He was the captain of uh, the Senegal side that, beat France in the 2002 World Cup in the group stages and made it all the way to the quarterfinals. So he would have been sniffing an upset last night, but you just saw the difference in quality. Uh, and when England got that first goal, it was only a matter of time before they got the second and third. Um, but they can definitely take some solace from the fact that they got out of their group, a group that was fairly tricky with Netherlands and Ecuador. Obviously, Qatar were a poor side. Um, but going further forward or going forward in future tournaments, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with, as well as other African teams who put out a good showing in this World Cup. Um, El Hajdiouf was part of the uh, bench on uh, Sunday night for Senegal. Um, the controversy causer and you know, some great players well at Liverpool, Bolton, Sunderland, Rangers, Leeds, everywhere. Um, he did say he was going to invite Neil Warnock and Sam Allardyce to the game last night. <laughs> um, Allardyce had turned him down, but Neil Warnock said uh, he was going to try. I don't know if anyone saw Neil Warnock last night. Did you see it? Was he in the end with you, Crook? Did you did you bump no. into Neil? No, I, I, I didn't I, see I can't him. I did. admit. No, I think he's probably on a tractor somewhere down in the uh, south uh, west, just making sure his garden is is okay. Uh, but he was uh, giving it the larger bit, El Hajdiouf, wasn't he? Prior to the match, trying to stir things up, didn't really work out as he thought it might. Um, okay, let's move on from England and talk about France because they beat Poland by three goals to one and they go through to the quarterfinals thanks to Giroud and Mbappe scoring twice. He's the tournament's leading goal scorer. Giroud is the leading goal scorer in France's history after his goal. He's 52nd, passing the record of Thierry Henry. Um, in nearly 100 years of the World Cup, only country, the only countries to have won back-to-back titles are Italy in 34 and 38 and Brazil with Pelé powering them along in 58 and 62. France have got a real chance, haven't they, if they get past England, of becoming the third team in World Cup history to be able to do that, Alex. Yeah, I'll make the same statement. If France win this game, I think they win the World Cup. I don't think there's too much in the other half of the draw 
to scare them. Uh, I think they're better than Brazil. I think they're certainly better than Argentina. It looks like those two are, are on collision course for what would be a, a real semi-final heavyweight clash. Um, Giroud had only touched the ball 10 times before he scored that goal um, to go out ahead of Thierry Henry, but he has become a, a really important player for them. And I think actually what you were saying about England, should, should they be wary of paying too much attention to Mbappe, was proved in that game because obviously Poland's main uh, game plan was to stop Mbappe, but that did allow people like Griezmann um, and Giroud uh, t- to really make some penetrating runs and, and cause some problems off the ball. Um, and then Mbappe to extent of stage, didn't he? I mean, you can be critical of uh, Wojciech Chesney maybe for the first goal, although I think he hit it with so much power and that is being a little bit harsh. And the second, curling it into the top corner was an absolute beauty. He is he's the best player at this World Cup um, and that's why he's going to have such a big say on this quarterfinal. Elsewhere, though, I think the midfield um, that France have put together is not as strong as England, so I think that is an area you can certainly target. I'm not completely convinced with them defensively either because they gave Poland some chances. Poland had more shots in one half uh, the first half than they'd had in the entire tournament to date. So I don't think England should be scared of facing this French team. Well, the game turned, didn't it, on that triple chance in the first half for Poland where France had been on the attack. Poland had soaked up a lot of the pressure and then they um, had this cracking opportunity where I think Frankowski hit the ball straight at Hugo Lloris. It came back out and it hit the defender. Then it hit another defender. There were three chances to bury it and they didn't take it. By not being ruthless enough and taking that chance, they allowed themselves to to, to be counter-attacked and Giroud eventually scored what was a very good goal. But ultimately, there were chances. And you mentioned the midfield and we were discussing it in the car last night on the way back. The idea of, you know, the back line is, is pretty robust, isn't it? Kunde, Varane, Upamecano, Teo Hernandez. But they're, they're four centre-halves, really, aren't they? I mean, they're not swashbuckling fullbacks. Teo Hernandez would like to get forward and he's, he, he can play as a, as a, as a left-back. But he's the second-choice left-back. His brother was the one they wanted to be playing there. Schumani and uh, uh, Rabio, the two sort of pivots in midfield. And then Griezmann, who's floating around doing what he wants. And I think that's a key thing to keep an eye on. The way that he moves into positions and creates stuff and takes players out of the game so he can switch the play out to Mbappe where he's got rooms to run into. So look, I don't think they're necessarily um, a one-trick team in, in Mbappe, but a lot of the other players that are in that side are there to to service his needs and service the needs of those front players. And Dembele's a pretty lively character on his day as well, Quaker. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, that's the benefit um, they've got arguably the best front three in the tournament in Giroud, Dembele and Kylian Mbappe. The players are, are all on form at the moment. We know about the, how much a phenom Mbappe is physically. It's not just technically, it's physically. It's what he can do with his pace and his power and his ability to score from multiple positions. That's that's going to be England's biggest concern. But like Crookie rightly pointed out, Olivier Giroud is somebody that can trouble these English centre-backs, especially if John Stones isn't a full fitness, we've got to be wary of Olivier Giroud's threat as well. So we know we know about the exploits of this France team. Obviously, the gloss was taken off when Benzema gets injured in the build-up and Kunku gets injured. There's no Pogba, there's no Kante, but you just look at the players that they can kind of substitute in for those for those missing players and it's, it's incredible. And if France do 
get past England and I, I also back them to win this World Cup because they've just got that know-how, they've got that experience and they've got that added bit of quality in the final third, which sets them apart from a lot of teams in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a uh, an, an advert for uh, agricultural play. However, there was a part of me last night was thinking, well, you've got five subs, so you could have five kicks at Mbappe and get five yellow cards and then just keep changing them around and hopefully that will slow him down a little bit. Is that the only way to stop him? I don't know, but he does look to be a phenomenon, absolute phenomenon. And uh, the goal that he scored, the second is the second goal. He curled it between two central defenders in at the near post. I, I thought, how has he even got it through that gap? It was absolutely sensational. I mean, I don't think Wojciech Szczesny covered himself in glory, but anyway, there was also the first goal that he scored where Giroud takes the ball out of the sky. Brilliant angle from the TV director. I don't know if you yeah. saw it, where the spider cam goes over the top from the kick out from Lloris and he brings the ball down beautifully and then sets Mbappe away. The only problem I've got with that is that Mbappe had about 20 minutes on the edge of the penalty area to set himself up and get his <laughs> shot away. I was like, hold on a minute. If you're going to stop him, at least you've got to get close to him. There's only the only way you're going to be able to stop him if you if you if you get something in front of him. They didn't do that. So um France uh, through and the Poles now winless in the last eight meetings against the French side. I think it was 1984 when they last beat them. It was like ridiculous. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the two games on Monday evening, starting off with Japan and Croatia. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Croatia came into this tournament on a nine-game unbeaten run across all competitions. They take on Japan, who have been laying waste to records uh, throughout the course of the tournament. They've beaten Germany, they've beaten Spain, and now they take on Croatia. I mean, uh, amazingly, when you say those two uh, results back-to-back, you sort of forget about the fact they also lost to Costa Rica. Um, But they are very much the underdogs. They usually have 
what, 30% possession if they're lucky in a game, and then look to go on the counter-attack. Is that how they're going to set up against Croatia, Kweku? It's uh, Japan fascinate me because obviously I can't claim to be the biggest fan of Japanese football. But when you look at some of the, pen, uh, some of the names that they've got on their bench, the names that we recognise, you see Minamino on the bench, you see Tomiyasu on the bench. And so like the players they have in their start at 11 must be incredible players. But like you say, they're more than happy to give up possession and hit the other team on the counter-attack slightly fortuitous um, in their game against Spain. I know the debate rumbles on, was it bought in, was it out? I don't know, it's up for discussion. I don't think we'll ever settle that debate. But they've got some impressive results in this tournament, beating Spain, beating Germany, arguably the group of death uh, before the tournament began. And to get out of that and to and to top it, they are they're in a they're in a great position. Obviously, they play the play against the Croatia side that are are well versed in tournament football, got to a final four years ago and you would back Croatia in this one, but you can never rule out Jap- Jap- uh, Japanese because they've had some amazing results in this tournament so far. Um, Yutu Nagatomo, who has been in Europe for many years, he played for Inter Milan, I think, for six uh, seasons. He said, I've been involved with uh, Japan for 15 years trying to get uh, into the World Cup. And this is the best Japan team in history. We finished top of the group. We're very confident. I've been in the last 16 uh, twice, but we couldn't overcome it this time. We can do it. Um, And one of the things that I think is very impressive about this group, really, and this coach is 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 the fact that they're tactically so flexible. Mm. He will make bold changes sometimes at halftime. For example, I mean, we've seen Duan and Matoma uh, come off the bench at halftime in a couple of games and completely change the face of it. Um, Matoma might be disappointed that he's not playing week in, week out. I know, Crook, you broke into the Japan hotel, a bit dangerous, but I know that you snuck yourself in there, plonked yourself on a sofa and beckoned over your mate from Brighton, uh, Matoma, earlier in the week. Excellent interview. And uh, is he a little bit disappointed that he's not starting? He didn't seem it. Um, he seemed absolutely ecstatic um, with what's going on. Talks about the fact they've uh, made the na- nation proud and have therefore changed the future of Japanese football, those big wins against Germany and Spain. And I think he epitomises all that's good about this Japan squad. He's a bubbly character. He's very upbeat. He's fearless. And I think they've got the ability here to cause what would be another upset. I mean, this isn't uh, the Croatian side that got to the final in 2018. It's an ageing Croatian side, but they've still got a lot of uh, know-how. They've got a lot of street-wiseness about them when it comes to navigating their way through tournaments. But I think we'll see exactly the same again from Japan. Ability to suck pressure. I don't think this is necessarily a Croatia side that are going to create lots of chances against them. And then if the game is is tight, maybe if they, even if they're behind at half time, we'll see the same changes again. The likes of uh, Doan and um, Mitoma coming off the bench, stretching uh, that Croatian back line. I wouldn't rule out Japan. I really Croatia runs up at the World Cup in 2018. The three games unbeaten in Qatar. Um, obviously, a lot has been made about the European-based players. I think 19 of the 26 play in Europe uh, from uh, Japan. Um, and, you know, I think the Zatko Dalic, who is the manager of, the, of Croatia, said they will apply the samurai, samurai warrior philosophy. So will we. If we want to go further, we must apply the same attitude and never underestimate anyone. Um, that, that samurai sort of tag, sometimes you think, oh, God, that's a bit cliched. 
leave that alone. But actually, uh, U2 Nagatama said exactly the same thing uh, during <laughs> during the game. He said, "Before we go into battle, we try to polish the swords and improve our technique." Um, so he was he was he was embracing the whole samurai thing too. So fair enough. They do call themselves the Blue Samurai after all. Uh, Croatia have been in the World Cup the last sixteen three times. They've uh, made it through on the previous two occasions, 1998, they beat Romania 1-0, Denmark on penalties in 2018. That was in Nizhny Novgorod. I was there with Gary Neville actually uh, doing that game. And I remember we went out to a beautiful steak restaurant afterwards. It was cracking. Um, Brazil against uh, South Korea is the other game uh, tonight. Will South Korea be able to cause a shock at Stadium N974? Um, or is this the game you think is the most likely to end with a foregone conclusion, Crook? Yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, obviously, I was uh, doing the South Korea game when they scored that dramatic late winner to get themselves into the round of 16. There were players on the pitch in tears. I kind of feel like that was their moment. Um, you know, it was a big achievement to, to get out of that group, particularly having found themselves as the underdogs going into the final round of fixtures. I just don't think they've got enough quality. I mean, Son was brilliant in the way that he created that goal, superbly taken by Huang Hee Chan, but Son hasn't been his best in this tournament, maybe in keeping with what we've seen for much of the season at Tottenham. I just, as I said, I don't think they've got the quality. Uh, Neymar expected, I was speaking to a Brazilian journalist last night to come back into the Brazil team. Fascinating to see exactly how match fit and how match sharp he is. But yeah, I, I would expect Brazil to win this and win this with a fair bit in hand. Um, amazing that the suggestion was that he was going to come back for the final on uh, Friday when we did the Cameroon game and all of a sudden now he looks as if he is ready to play in this match. Um, in terms of uh, South Korea, um, what what is their best tactic here, Kwaku? Just to sort of try and negate the counter-attacks of Vinicius Jr. and Rafinha and keep tabs on on Richarlison because Brazil do play at a, a slow pace. They're not necessarily a team that are going to play swashbuckling Samba-style football. They, they're they a little bit like England in a way, that they play in patches, conserve energy, and then then strike when the iron is hot. Yeah, they're going to have to break down the game and make it bitty. Um, and you, the word you use is perfect, negate. That's, that's the aim of the game for South Korea against Brazil because the only way to to get a result in this one is by stopping Brazil and hoping you get something from a set piece. Um, South Korea were in, were in Ghana's group. Um, so I had a chance to watch them as a 3-2 thriller and they got a, a lot of their joy from set pieces. That might have to be the case again against Brazil if they find any joy, but it's Brazil are the clear favourites for this one, boosted by the return of the talisman Neymar. They've got talent all over the pitch. They are they are rightly so one of the favourites to win this World Cup. They feel back in Brazil like they need to win this World Cup. It's been a while since they won one. 20 years is 20 years of hurt, they're saying. If they're just imagine being an England fan, just remind all Brazilians. Um but yeah, I, I think Brazil are clear favourites. And if if South Korea were to pull off the shock, it'd be one of the biggest shocks in World Cup history. Tite himself is under a little bit of pressure because not only has he got to try and deliver this World Cup, but I mentioned this during the uh, the commentary that I did on Friday night that there was a little bit of a, a debate about whether or not Neymar had been mishandled by Brazil. And he let rip yesterday during the press conference. I don't like evil lies. And at no time whatsoever did we play for a victory at the risk of a peril to a player, he said, because they left him on for 10 minutes after he picked up his initial injury. The liars, the haters out there, go and do something else and stop giving fake news. Um, he also talked about uh, a Gabriel 
Jesus, and he was criticised about his handling of him as well. Uh, Jesus got a big injury, which is going back uh, to Arsenal to be sorted out, a knee condition that may well require surgery. It's very disappointing for Arsenal, but he's not going to play any uh, part in this tournament. It could be three months now before we see him again, Alex. Yeah, and that's a huge blow uh, for Brazil in the short term and an even bigger one, I would argue, for Arsenal uh, when it comes to to trying to mount a title challenge in England in the second half of the season. But it's pretty clear from what you're telling me there and, and from the people that I've spoken to close to the national team that uh, he's not the most popular coach, is he, uh, amongst the media? And uh, obviously he's using that to try and create a bit of a siege mentality. But I kind of feel like Brazil need a statement victory because they, yeah, they won every game so far, but they've not really blown an opponent away. And I think until they do that, these difficult questions will keep being asked of him. Yeah, tomorrow will be South Korea's, or today will be South Korea's first game in the knockout stages of the World Cup since South Africa 2010, when they've beaten by Uruguay in the last 16. Uh, Brazil usually get past um, this sort of opposition. In fact, their World Cup exits have come at the hands of Western European uh, opposition in every World Cup campaign since they won the tournament in 2002. In 2006, um, 2010, 2014, 2018, whenever they've bumped into a big Western U- European superpower, that is when they have come unstuck. There's a little way to go before that is likely uh, to happen uh, because they will play the winners of Japan against Croatia in the next round. And I'm not entirely sure Croatia count as a Western European superpower. Um, and then in the semi-final, likelihood is, is they'll play Argentina, although it could be the Dutch. If it's the Dutch, that might bring the hoodoo back into play. Who will they face in the final? Will it be France or England? Maybe Spain, maybe even Portugal. We will find out over the next few days as that draw starts to tighten up. All the games are live on TalkSport from Qatar. Uh, Crookie will be out and about bringing you all the latest news. Make sure you tune in to TalkSport throughout the day. Get our app. You can uh, make sure you keep in touch with all of the breaking news from across uh, the teams remaining in the tournament. Kwaku, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, guys. And uh, Crookie, will see you tomorrow morning when everybody wakes up. Darren Lewis is back with us to reflect on Brazil's performances and the game between Japan and Croatia as well. And look ahead to the big matches between Morocco and Spain and Portugal against Switzerland. Tell all your friends about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Download it from any of your favourite podcast apps and we'll see you in the morning. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.